Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where we encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers, to prioritize physical presence, be engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. In this series, we're uh, opening up the door to some Q&A time, some questions you may have as a dad, and uh, we welcome any kind of feedback or uh, drop us a message as uh, further questions you may have, and if if these answers resonate with you as well. Welcome. How do you set boundaries for children in a world with no boundaries? I, I think the first step is to realize that uh, you aren't dealing with the world on the, on the global scale. Uh, the world, as your child sees it, is your home. <laughs> so you set boundaries within the home and uh, allow that to be carried into the world as your child matures. Uh, a lot of a lot of times, as couples, uh, the topic of conversation as we date and even early in a marriage, isn't uh, about the boundaries that we had as kids, right? There's not uh, much discussion around how we were disciplined, what rules we grew up under, uh, and how they worked. You know, so I think a lot of times, uh, husband and wife can need to sit down, particularly if there's a child on the way or maybe early in a child's life, and, and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of how you were raised. You know, what, what discipline, what, what boundaries set worked, what boundaries uh, didn't work, and uh, what ones are worth repeating and carrying on in your home. The boundaries may have to do with curfew on dating. It might have to do with getting homework done at a, at a, by, before you can go do something. Uh, and then the other side of the question is what disciplinary action, of course, worked as well. So when the boundaries were set, what happened when the boundaries were crossed? And uh, so, again, you can look at the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, what was, what was good about uh, the discipline that, uh, that really got the result, got you uh, tuned in to the boundaries that you needed to respect? What discipline was uh, maybe crossed over? Uh, maybe there's some anger. Uh, brought in that that really uh, more than offset whatever the boundary crossed was because uh, a dad or a mom uh, got angry in the in the disciplinary action and then finally there's the that would be the bad (laughs) and then finally there's the ugly where there may be some abuse associated with uh, you know excessive corporal punishment uh, as uh, I always say, sometimes our, in our home, the beatings would continue until morale improved. Uh, that's, that's not meant to be, uh, uh, you know, off the cuff. It's just meant that sometimes there is excessive, you know, my dad grew up in a very uh, disciplinary uh, Germ- German home, and uh, so he thought that was just the way to imp- implement discipline was uh, physical uh, discipline that may have been excessive. And of course, that would be the ugly that you do not want to carry on in your home. So uh, I think it's critical that a, that a dad and mom sit down and, and discuss what are the age-appropriate rules and what's the age-appropriate discipline to, uh, to address uh, when the rules are not followed. So that's my encouragement. Uh, in, a, in a world with no boundaries, a lot of times those, uh, that noise in the world completely distracts from what you can control. And uh, so except what you can't control is, is a lot of times outside your home. Uh, what you can control is how your home is run. And that's a matter of dad and mom being on the same page, 
keeping the dialogue open and healthy and being flexible as your child matures to adjust the discipline appropriately. And because uh, those short answers and all that other stuff that may work early in a child's life isn't going to work later in a child's life. So you have to figure out what the appropriate discipline is. So that's, that's my encouragement to uh, set those boundaries for your child. What's the best way to teach your children not to justify themselves, but to face responsibility? I think uh, I always charge dads, you know, kids are going to catch what we have, not always do what we say. So, uh, again, leading by example is the key to face that responsibility. And for me, that's scriptural. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 tells us to put the full armor of God on, to stand firm. Uh, in the responsibilities that we embrace as men in this world. So I, I, to this day, I pray every day through that full armor, and that goes like this, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to put that belt of truth on today, Lord. Help me live under your word, under the authority of your word as I go across this day. That's the belt of truth. That's the word of God. Uh, put on that breastplate of righteousness to do what's right. You know, it may not always be what's beneficial to you in the short term, but you know what's right because your heart tells you what's right. And because if you're living under the authority of the Word of God, you're going to know what's right in a given situation. So put that breastplate of righteousness on and, uh, and do what's right under the responsibility that you're called to stand in. Uh, you put on that, uh, the, feet, the feet fitted with the uh, readiness that is the gospel of peace. So you're, you're ready in, in, uh, in a conformance to Christ. That's the feet fitted with the gospel of peace is a conformance to Christ. We're called to be more Christ-like today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. So to uh, have those feet fitted and ready is to respond as Christ would respond which is with patience, with control, and, and again, under the authority of the Word of God to do what's right, to, uh, to reflect Christ well in a given situation. Then you put on that helmet of salvation, and that's the embracing the saving grace of Christ going to the cross, that his blood atoned our sins. It was propitiation for our sins. So to have that helmet of salvation on and to look at things from an eternal perspective allows you to live into the responsibility with a perspective that isn't short-sighted or self-serving. It's uh, serving as stepping into it with the grace that God granted you, uh, extending that grace into a given situation, accepting responsibility again to reflect Christ well and, uh, and look at things from maybe a little different perspective than you would in the short-term uh, uh, idea, short-term eyesight. Uh, and then to put on that, uh, that shield of faith, uh, to lift up that, that position, that shield of faith, that faith and trust in Christ that's uh, positioned well to extinguish any arrows coming in at you. Uh, so that's that, uh, what do you have faith in? What are you trusting? And if you're stepping into the responsibility of living under the Word of God, uh, doing what's right, reflecting Christ, and, and operating with an eternal perspective, then you're going to have that faith and trust that the Lord's going to work it out. It isn't necessary for you to jump to conclusions or, or make a decision that may be uh, short-sighted or self-serving. You're, uh, you're working with that shield, understanding that you have the faith and trust in the Lord.
And finally, you draw that sword. That's the only offensive weapon that uh, Paul references in Ephesians 6, uh, 6, 10 through 18. But it's that sword of the Spirit. That's, again, the Word of God wielded wisely, just as Jesus wielded the Word when he was tempted by, uh, in Matthew 4, uh, that uh, temptation that the devil threw at Jesus, he rebuked with the sword of the Spirit, which was the Word of God. And uh, that's what dads need to do, is to step into that responsibility, have the Word of God on their tongue to rebuke the uh, temptations that are coming at us and uh, that may call, uh, may tempt us to uh, step aside of responsibility that we're supposed to face head on. And then finally, uh, we're to pray at all times. So. Uh, uh, praying through this uh, this armor of God uh, allows you to stand firm and face the responsibility of raising a godly generation. In a world filled with relativism, what is a good absolute definition for fatherhood? Many men don't have that context uh, for fathering, and that's, that's very true. Uh, I think that's why he calls himself. Uh, he says he, he, we've been adopted into his family. We have the spirit of sonship. We can cry out, Abba, Father, because he provides the absolute reference for fathering. Uh, if he thought it uh, important to send his son to be with us physically uh, in this world for a time, then uh, dads are called to be physically present in the life of their children, be physically present at home, uh, to prioritize that presence to uh, the degree as possible in a given situation. Uh, if, he, if Jesus thought it important enough to send the disciples a counselor to guide them through uh, the distractions they would face, then dads should be emotionally engaged in their children's lives throughout, uh, you know, not only as infants, but through those teenage years and into adulthood. Be engaged emotionally to understand uh, what kids are facing today so, uh, so that you can be uh, emotionally present in their lives. And then finally, as a father is present, uh, he's given us his word, uh, the, the, the sword of the spirit, then we should uh, be spiritually leading in our family. So uh, as a father, the absolute definition of fathering from a faithful father standpoint is to prioritize your physical presence, be engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. Uh, the world tells us to do a lot of other things, buy things for our kids, uh, let them go on screen time, uh, let, you know, let the world, uh, let them enjoy the, their world, their, their childhood. And that, it's not that they, we don't let them enjoy childhood, it's that we are their father. And uh, so we try to set those boundaries as we talked about, we try to lead the way uh, by representing our Heavenly Father uh, by prioritizing physical presence engaged being engaged emotionally and leading spiritually by example that's emulating the father that's uh, representing him well because uh, he shared the moniker father with us what's the best way to set up spiritual discipline for a dad who works a lot uh, that's uh, number one uh, at a dad you know we are supposed to work we're to, we're to provide for our family uh, the trouble is that sometimes we take that uh, provision to be just financial but uh, here I encourage dads to identify windows of time for me it's windshield time 
I'd turn off the radio, and uh, that's my prayer time. Uh, so that's that's one spiritual discipline you can nail down very quickly is if if you have a, a window of time that you can control uh, your drive time is a great time to uh, institute one discipline to uh, if it's a 10 minute drive or a 30 minute drive you can lift up prayer and uh, I encourage uh, dads to pray for their children and their wives by name uh, every day and uh, that can start the prayer and then you can reflect on uh, what your child may be facing that day. You can ask them what their prayer concerns are, and so that's, a, that's something you can do while you're driving. Use daily lunchtime uh, or other meal time to uh, read a passage of Scripture. You know, I always uh, encourage dads to start with Romans and just read a, maybe a chapter and maybe just a couple of verses in chapter 1 and then moving through uh, all 16 chapters as you, move, as you go on. Uh, so the, uh, the, there's just reading a passage or two uh, during the meal and then maybe lifting up a short prayer around that passage or just contemplating that passage uh, in the context of your day can, uh, can provide some insight as you, as you go on. And there's so many ways you can do it. It can be a handheld Bible of the New Testament or the a full Bible, or it can be the, the version uh, app on your uh, cell phone. It has uh, all the versions you could possibly want to use. Uh, but I encourage uh, an easy-to-read version for me is always the voice. Uh, there's also NIV and ASB, and New, New International Version is the NIV, and ASB is the New American Standard Version. Uh, there's other versions out there that uh, English Standard Version. Uh, there's there's uh, a number of uh, opportunities to read Scripture uh, around lunchtime is, an, is, a, is a great way to institute that discipline. And then finally, uh, worship is an easy one. Uh, for me, driving into work early, uh, you see that sunrise, that's a great reflection of uh, the sun rising out of the tomb. You know, that's a, he, his resurrection can be uh, worshiped at every sunrise, every morning. And so to find ways to uh, worship our Lord in the commonplace things, uh, whether it's the beginning of the day or the end of the day, stars coming out, uh, time, a glimpse of uh, God's glory in the eyes of your children. These are times to just, uh, just worship him. It doesn't require a praise band or a, a church environment. Uh, worship is just saying, wow, God, you've done good work here. You know, thank you for the blessing that is marriage. Thank you for the blessing of children. Uh, I worship you and thank you for walking out of that tomb as I uh, in take in this sunrise of this morning. You know, these are the opportunities that we can uh, just simply say, I love you, Lord. You can sing it out if you like to. If you're in your car by yourself like I am, I can sing very just fine. I sing great when I'm by myself. Uh, so just say, I love you, Lord, and sing it out loud. So that's one way to worship. And, and of course, once you do that, daily time in, in prayer, in scripture, and in worship, those are, pretty, those are three pretty solid disciplines to get started on, Dad. So start somewhere and, uh, and, and uh, do that prayer, that uh, time in Scripture, and worship daily. And you get an added ad from me. 